Almighty and gracious God, Lord, we give you thanks as we come into this place, Lord, to celebrate your incredible gift of grace. Lord, we ask that that grace enter into our lives each and every day, that as we experience the work of your grace, we share that grace with the world, that our lives are transformed by this incredible gift, and that every day we share it with the world and you give it to us over and over and over again. May your grace be with us now and always. Amen. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Mark began his sermon by telling you a story about uh, two little boys. And then uh, if you were here last week, you heard uh, how he began his sermon by telling you a story about a little girl. And I thought it would be fitting then that I would begin today by telling you the story of an old man. And so uh, there once was an old man uh, who lived a good and long life. And uh, when he came to the end of his life, uh, he died and he went to heaven. And when he got to heaven, uh, he met St. Peter at the pearly gates. And uh, St. Peter greeted him. He said, hello, welcome, and peace be with you. We're so thankful that you are here, and we can't wait to celebrate eternity with you. And then uh, St. Peter continued on, and he said to him, uh, I'm glad you're here, and I, I would like to take this time to explain to you how the gates open. Uh, we've got a, a point system here of 100 points. And so what you're going to do is you're going to tell me all the good things that you've done, and I'm going to go through my list, and uh, everything you tell me, I'll tell you how many points you have. And once you reach 100, the gates will just open. So the man kind of looks a little perplexed at Peter, but he says, okay, great. Uh, let me start with this. Uh, I was married to the same woman for 50 years, faithful to her every day, and uh, faithful until she died. Loved her with the depth of my heart. And Peter looks at his list and he goes, that is wonderful. That's worth two points. The man says, okay, wow, two points. All right. Well, uh, maybe I should tell you this. I attended church service every day from the time I was a kid until my last breath. And I was faithful in all of my talents and treasures and time and service. And St. Peter says, that's fantastic. That's worth one point. The man goes, whoa, one point, all right, so three so far, here we go. Well, maybe I should tell you that I also uh, started a soup kitchen in my city, and uh, I, along with some friends, we started a, a homeless shelter for veterans where I served for over 30 years. St. Peter checks his list, a few different things there, and he goes, wow, that is so amazing, that's worth another two points. The man looks at St. Peter and goes, two points? At this rate, the only way I'm going to get into heaven is by the grace of God. And St. Peter looks at him and goes, bingo, now you've got it. The doors are open. And uh, that's kind of what today is all about. Today is all about the celebration of God's gift of grace. And interestingly enough, grace is something that technically we celebrate every single week here in worship. In the context of our worship, everything is centered around grace. It's a part of the, the hymns and the songs that we sing throughout the morning, the readings from scripture, communion, even the fellowship that we share before and after worship. All of it is centered in God's grace. And much of it is part of the way that God gives his grace to us. And yet as we celebrate God's gift of grace today, we also acknowledge and celebrate uh, the way in which grace became the center of the heart and soul of the message of the church. And it changed the church and the world forever. Now, this is kind of a hard reality for us to understand because in all of our lifetimes, grace has always been at the heart and soul. Grace has always been at the center of the message of the church. 
But there was a time where that wasn't exactly the case. That uh, things weren't always the way that they seem. And so in order to kind of see this, in order to kind of understand, we have to go back in time. Uh, back to around the early 1500s. Uh, see, during the early 1500s, there was a group of young Christian scholars who studied the scriptures deeply and, and understood a lot of Christian history and church history up until that point. And while they were studying, in the midst of uh, studying the history and the scriptures, they kind of came to a point where in their conversations and their study together, they realized that somewhere along the way, the message that the church was preaching wasn't the message that Jesus had been teaching. And see, somewhere along the lines, things got kind of messy. Uh, church leaders and church workers had started to mix the messages that scriptures had been teaching for so long. Uh, there were some spoken and unspoken connections between the, the church and the government, and it was causing problems for everyone. And as these, these scholars noticed these issues, uh, they wanted to talk about them a little bit more, but uh, there was more unsavory business going on. In fact, uh, the church had kind of formed a rather lucrative business based on the uh, incorrect messages that they were sharing with people. And at the heart of this controversy, at the heart of this, this incorrect scripture teachings, was this. Uh, the church was teaching that salvation, in order to be saved, it was by grace, through faith, and works. That essentially, uh, Jesus' death and his resurrection, the grace and faith that you have, that was good, but it wasn't enough. That uh, more or less, if you wanted to guarantee your salvation... If you wanted to make sure that no matter what you did, you were going to go to heaven, you could pay for it. The church essentially started this business where they were selling tickets to be right with God, to restore your relationship with God. And they said, you could do good works, and that would be good, and you had to do them, but also, we'll take your money, and then you pay us for that ticket, and that makes everything right. And this business, this transaction, in fact, actually led to the building of St. Peter's Basilica in the Vatican City. That the money that they collected for those tickets ended up building that incredible church. And so, uh, needless to say, the message that the church was preaching was not lining up with what Jesus was teaching. And so, uh, these young Christian scholars gathered together, and they continued to write and speak, and they started talking to more and more people. And most prominently among them uh, was a young man named Martin Luther. And Luther was uh, both a monk and a college professor, and he, he cared deeply about the church. He cared so deeply, in fact, that one day he couldn't take it anymore, and he sat down and he wrote 95 theses or, or statements, uh, arguments against uh, what the church needed to change. And eventually, he leads himself to hammering these on the door, as the story goes, of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. Now, I want to point out something that's really important here that sometimes gets lost in this story. Luther did not want to leave the church. Luther did not want to start a new church. In fact, uh, some scholars say he would probably scoff at the idea of a Lutheran church. Luther simply wanted the Catholic church to go through a spiritual reformation. Luther loved the church, but he wanted them to look inwardly about what was going on and what they were doing and reflect on those things and then change. He, he wanted them to reform from the inside out to then change their message to the world. But as the story goes and as history would have it, that doesn't happen. And so uh, the writings of Luther and many others spark what we now know as the Protestant Reformation. 
And the Reformation was centered in on a spiritual reforming of the mind and the body and the soul and the reading of the scriptures. That salvation is centered in that the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus is found in four words. By grace through That those four words put together the entire message of Scripture. And in his wrestling and reading with Scripture, Luther found these four words to be revealed to him through uh, one verse in Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says, For in the righteousness of God is revealed through faith for faith. As it is written, the one who is righteous will live by faith. And so uh, in his wrestling and study with this passage, Luther sees that it's more and more evident that the message of Jesus is that salvation comes by grace through faith. And so over 500 years, that message continued, and that's why it's at the center of our worship and at the center of everything we do here. But what exactly do those words mean? Uh, What does by grace through faith mean, and how does that impact our lives here and now every day? Well, let's start with the first part. Let's start with grace. What is grace? Right, I think uh, sometimes we, we mix our metaphors, and we mix our definitions of, of mercy and grace. Uh, mercy is not doing something to someone that they do deserve. But grace is giving someone what they do not deserve. So when we say that, that grace is a gift from God, what we're acknowledging is that we can't do anything to earn it and we don't deserve it. That's why it's a gift. And God gives us this gift of grace in spite of the fact that we didn't do anything to earn it. And his grace is something that he wants us to experience every single day of our lives. And it's given to us and we receive and experience it through faith. Well, what then is faith, right? And that kind of leads us to this, this second part here. And faith, according to the scriptures, is a relationship of dependence upon someone or something greater and more capable than yourself. So faith is a relationship of dependence upon the person and work of Jesus. You and I are depending on the person and work of Jesus. We're depending on that work and all that it has done, all that it is doing, and all that it will do every single day of our lives. And we know that our faith in Jesus is strong and secure because just like grace, it is a gift from God. God is working faith in us by the power of his Holy Spirit every single day. And so even though perhaps we're not always consciously thinking about it, every day we are living by grace through faith. And living a life uh, by grace through faith means that all of our lives are now different. They've been changed by these promises that God gives to us in Jesus. As you've heard me say before, grace changes everything. And in our passage from Romans, we actually get to see some of the ways that grace changes everything about our lives. And one of the ways we see this starts out at the end of verse 22 and picks up in verse 23. It says, For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is one of those verses that uh, I've personally wrestled with and read plenty of times. And if I'm being totally honest with you, I don't really like it. And my guess is you may have some of those verses in Scripture as well, ones that you read but you you really struggle and grapple with because you're not sure that you agree with them or or they line up with what you think about the world and how you see things. And yet Scripture calls us to, to do that, to faithfully wrestle with this. Because if I'm being honest with you, when I read this verse, essentially what it's telling me is that I am not enough. 
that I am not good enough, that I can never do enough to be good enough, that I am not strong enough or wise enough or smart enough, that I on my own am not enough. And my guess is that you don't like hearing that about yourself the way that I don't like hearing it about myself. None of us like to be told that we are not enough. And I don't know about you, but when I am told that, my reaction, my immediate thought process is, okay, well then let me prove it to you. Let me show you that I am enough. Let me do more good things. Let me say more good things. Let me try and be enough. Let me prove to you and let me receive validation from the people around me. I want them to tell me that I am enough. But eventually, no matter how much good I do, there comes a day where eventually I fail. And in the midst of my failure, I then find myself wrestling with all the good that I've done and yet all the bad that I've done. See, because I'm brought back to this verse where it says there is no distinction that all have fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned against God. And it makes me come to that reality that I, on my own, am not enough. And yet when I say those words, when I confess that reality, I am immediately then met by the reality of, of what comes after. That it's not just enough to confess those words, but then in that moment... I'm creating the space for grace in my own life. Because as I keep reading the scriptures, grace be then becomes clear to me. Because in the following verse, in verse 24, it says, they, be referring to the all who have fallen short, they are now justified by grace as a gift through the redemption in Christ Jesus. Grace tells me that I have been set free. That it's not about me. And it's not about what I've done. It's about what Jesus and what he has done for me. And so instead of needing to go before God and prove to him that I am enough, I can go before God and say, I am not enough, but Christ is enough. And in saying those words, there is freedom. Grace sets me free to confess that because I know that Christ is enough for me. And it's, it's just like Jesus says in the Gospel of John chapter 8. He says, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And Jesus, his death has set me free. Free from my guilt and my shame. Free from having to prove myself and having to, to pay for my salvation. Because Jesus died for me, I am free from my sin and salvation is mine. And every day I get to experience the reality of those promises because of the grace that God has poured out upon me. Grace has set me free and grace has set you free too. That same grace that Jesus has poured out on me, he is pouring out on you every single day of your lives. Instead of trying to carry around the burdens and the weight of all the things you carry in this life, grace comes to tell you that you have been set free, that Jesus is enough for you. When you do that, when, when you confess that Christ is enough for you, that you don't need to be enough because he is, you begin to see the way that grace changes your life. You begin to, to see the experience of what it looks like to have grace in your life. Because when you're free from all those things, you begin to see the world in a different way. You begin to realize that in the same way that you have received grace, every single person, every person that you drove past on your way in, every person that you are sitting next to right now, every person in this room and the people you're going to drive by later today, every single person that you encounter is in need 
of God's grace. Whether they realize it or not, whether they admit it or not, whether they deserve it or not, every single person is in need of the grace of God. And as someone who has experienced that grace in their own life, you have the incredible opportunity to pour it out upon them. You have the chance to share that grace, to create a space for grace for everyone that you encounter in this world. When you do that, when, when you create that space for grace in your life and in the life of everyone you encounter, you begin to see the other thing that grace does. Grace transforms. Grace transforms every part of our lives. The late uh, pastor and uh, writer Tim Keller once spoke about grace and he said this. God loves us as we are. God sees us as we are. And God accepts us as we are. But by his grace, God does not leave us as we are. See, if you look back uh, through the stories of Scripture, there are so many places where you see the transformative power of grace. Uh, just uh, start with the story of the prodigal son. Uh, you know, the story of the son who, who asks for his father's inheritance before his father has even died. And then he goes away to a faraway land and he wastes it all. He blows it in what seems like an instant. And he has nothing left to show for it. Things get so bad for him that he's eating out of a pig's trough when he finally has this realization that maybe he should just go back home and at least he could work as a slave for his father. And when he returns home, his father sees him from a distance and runs to him. And the father greets him with open arms and welcomes him home. And the father calls everyone up and he starts a celebration. That in that moment where the son has returned with nothing left to offer, the father has poured out his grace upon his son. And in that moment, the son's life has been changed forever. Grace transforms his life here and now. Or consider uh, the story that we hear in John chapter 8. Of, of a woman who's brought before Jesus uh, by a crowd of, of angry people. And this crowd tells Jesus that she has committed the sin of adultery and that she needs to be stoned for her sin. And Jesus looks at the crowd and he tells them, let the one who has not sinned throw the first stone. And one by one, the stones begin to hit the ground as people let them down. And eventually, uh, Jesus is standing there next to the woman, and he looks and he says, has anyone thrown a stone? And she says, no, sir, not one. Then Jesus says to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In that moment, that woman's life has been changed by God's grace. And not only her life, but the lives of all the people who were there to stone her. Because when Jesus says that he does not condemn her, he has also said to the people out there who are all sinners of a different kind, that he does not condemn them either. That they too have experienced and received his grace. This moment in which grace transforms everyone's life as they encounter it through Jesus. And then there is perhaps uh, the moment that we all know well. Uh, the moment where we hear the conversation between the thief on the cross next to Jesus. There were two thieves, one on each side of him, one who derided him and chastised him for not using his power. But then there was the other, the one who was aware of the crimes that he had committed, who believed that he belonged on that cross, but he knew that Jesus didn't. He knew that Jesus was an innocent man, and so he says to Jesus in, in a cry of compassion, in a cry of simple hope, in a last chance effort, he says to him, 
Jesus, remember me when you enter into your kingdom. And Jesus says to that man, truly today you will be with me in paradise. When Jesus speaks those words of grace, everything about that man's life is different. His past, his present, and his future are changed because of the grace that Jesus speaks into his life as he hangs there on a cross. When people encounter the grace of Jesus, everything about their lives is transformed. You and I are living proof of this reality. Everything about our lives is different because of grace. The way that we think, the way that we speak, the way that we act, the way that we treat other people, the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see the world around us, the way that we think about our past and our present and our future, all of it has been transformed because of grace. Grace changes everything about our lives. And this is good news. This is an incredible reason to celebrate. This is why we gather every single week in this place to come and to tell God that we've got nothing to give him and yet God gives us everything every single time because his grace for us is endless. When we need more of it, he gives more of it. When we ask for more of it, he pours it out over and over and over again. Because whenever we go to God for his grace, we will always receive it. Grace promises that God will never leave us where we are. That grace moves us forward one day at a time. That it is always working to transform every part of our lives until the day when we enter into the kingdom of grace that has no end. And on that day, when uh, you arrive at perhaps those pearly gates and you meet St. Peter or someone else, I want you to remember that no amount of points will ever be enough and it doesn't matter because the grace that Jesus has given to you, that is in you, is yours forever. And that grace is indeed enough because Christ is enough for you now and forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.